2023 marks 30 years since these memorable Sears ads took to the airwaves. With its catchy tune and clever puns, these award-winning ads changed consumers' view on Sears. We're chatting with advertising great Helene Spivak, who was chief creative officer at the time, as she shares her memories about this advertising campaign. It was the smart thing to do to get attention for the right reasons. And you couldn't help but sing it. And it, it's just one of those things that stuck in your head. And I was very, very, very proud of it. Come see the softer side of Sears. I read that early on, before you got into advertising, you were trying to pursue an acting career, stand-up comedian. You know, why didn't you go through with that? But on the other hand, did that acting and time with stand-up comedy did that aid you in advertising later on? Uh, the stand-up came later. The okay. studying acting, I, I did for a while. I thought I might want to do that, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I was out of my house and I needed uh, money and I needed to eat. So it was more secretarial, receptionist. Uh, I, I once, they offered me a job to work as an assistant for Peter Max. And I said I wanted a salary and they said, well, we have people, we have women who are willing to work for nothing. And I said, well, I suggest you hire them because I, I you know, I just can't. So that didn't work out. Um, I, I studied at HB Studio for years, uh, and it did help me eventually, absolutely. And at what point in your life, what steered you towards advertising? <laughs> I couldn't do anything else. <laughs> Back then, you could fall into it, and it, it invited all kinds of people from you know, the, all the crazy, wonderful, creative people that didn't know what to do, that had a, a flair for words and a sense of humor. We could end up there. And uh, I just happened to go for a job as a secretary after I had just gotten out of uh, Sally Owens or Betty Owens or some Owens, where I learned how to touch type. Uh, and the Selectric had just come into place and it was a great uh, typewriter that self-corrected. So since it self-corrected, I got a job as a secretary and it happened to be at Delafamina uh, Travisano and Partners. And how do you go from from sec being a secretary to moving up the ladder in advertising? Back then, it, it wasn't as difficult as it is today. Uh, but I, I took a course of visual arts because after I was sitting there typing copy, I thought, I bet I could do this. And so I, it's kind of it may I, it sounds so easy. I guess it wasn't, but it was. I took a course uh, with Tom Messner and, and Ted Shane, who ended up one of my partners. And Tom Messner said, get your book together, and Tuesday you have a job interview with Jim uh, Durfee or Emil Gargano. And I put my book together in a weekend. And back then, a book was not, they were not computers. There was, there was a thing of paper and then tracing paper, and you stapled it in four corners, you drew your own, you lettered it. And I put a book together over a weekend, and I got hired on a Tuesday, and I started the following Monday. That was it. <laughs> wow. And so you started then as, as a copywriter? I started, let's see, what did Carl Alley call me? A copy cub. I was a copy cub. I guess that was in a newsroom. 
But what I was was a, a very, uh, I, I didn't know I was working at the best, one of the best advertising agencies at the time. I just know, okay, Carl Alley, we had a four day work week. That's all I cared about. <laughs> At, at what point, as you're moving up the ladder and you're, and you're getting into management positions, at what point did you come across an account that you were like, this is the big one, like I've been waiting for? And what was that like? You never know it's going to be the big one and the one you've been waiting for. I do know that it was Club Med because I had to request it. In fact, Ozzy Spenningsby the wonderful, wonderful head of production at Ali, I'm sorry, at uh, Amirati and Puris, said, Helene, if you and Ted want this account, go ask for it, because two other people are going to get it before you if you don't. Took his advice, and that kind of put me on the map, that campaign. The world Club Med style. Oil spills along the coast. Foreign relations improving. Gold plunges overseas. Border dispute settled. Tensions ease in Gulf. And that's the way it is at Club Med. Early on, can you talk about what struggles you experienced or encountered, you know, uh, not just in your position, but also as a female and how you, uh, what you took away from those experiences and struggles? Um, I wouldn't exactly call them struggles because I have a big mouth and I'm not afraid to say what I need or want to say. And I only found out afterwards that there might have been some you know, disparity in salary. I mean, I just I just went for it. Um, I, I didn't know if, if anybody was keeping me down because I got ahead so quickly because I was one of the few women uh, they were women in the creative department, but no one really that you know, pushed into, uh, you know, higher positions. But the reason I loved advertising is at the time I thought it was gender blind because, you, you know, your picture is not up there with your work. Your work is up there. Your words are up there. And I did really well at the shows. Uh, the struggle, I, I, I had no struggles. And the advantage was I was in a miserable personal relationship. So I didn't mind being out of the house. I did not mind working weekends. I didn't mind having to work late. I mean, it was ideal. So the you know the worse my personal relationship got, the better my job got. It was great. Early on, before you, I guess as you were still uh, becoming comfortable in the field of advertising and kind of finding your own way, was there's one person, maybe a creative director at another agency, someone that you admired that you wanted to strive to get up to that level that they were at? I know he will get angry when I say this because he always hates that I call him my mentor, but I owe my career to Tom Mester. He later left and started an agency uh, with many, many names in it, Mester Viteri, Berger, Carrie, Schmetterer, WCRS, or something like that. Uh, he was my mentor. He hired me, basically taught me how to write by just throwing me out of his office and saying not good enough until it was good enough. And um, I, I learned, you know, trial by fire. You know, you're in the water, swim. The first time he did not pick up one of those red grease pencils, you know, the kind where you can kind of go like that with the little string and you unravel them. The first time he did not pick it up and mark up my copy, I knew that somehow I had just learned how to write. Talking about 
you know, film and video production in terms of producing commercial spots, how has it changed in terms of the the equipment and the technical aspect of it from analog, you know, to digital today? Well, it's not just the equipment that's changed. It's the people who are doing the films that have changed. They could be you. They could be uh, my niece or nephew. I mean, it, it's a very democratic way of working these days. Anyone with any kind of camera or phone can post whatever they want to post. And, um, you know, how things have changed, it, 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 it's all experimental. Let's do it on, uh, let's, let's shoot this entire movie on an iPhone. And you do, and you have, and they have. So, you know, how it's changed is there is no one way anymore. There are so many ways. The way things are now with, you know, politics, public opinion, technology, the way people can voice their opinions all over the Internet. If you were starting out today, would you uh, uh, produce spots and, and do things differently to today's audience compared to the way you did back then? Honestly, if I was starting out today, as I tell some of my students, I, I run a program on how to be a creative director. And I, from Miami at school, and I tell them, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I could come into this now. Because the, the love I had of pure ideas, the love I had of playing with words, the love I had of, you know, seeing something in film and doing it, it was a much simpler time. Now, there, you know, with social media and, and ways that get to people, I don't know if that would be the thing for me. I mean, influencers, uh, who are get paid a lot of money to wear a product, hold a bottle of soda, hold a, you know, do demos with, you know, face creams and things like that, the Kardashians out there. Anybody, anybody can control uh, the message. Back when I started, it was very specific and it was, it was pre-planners. It was, yes, there were strategists, but we never got the kind of briefs that we got. We got a work order. It said, we need a 30-second commercial. You have a month to do it. Um, and then it would, you know, it would say, here's your competition. And we figured it out. So in the old days, we had to use more of our brains and more, more common sense. Over the decades, there have been movies, TV shows, where advertising is, is the background or, the, or part of the movie or the story. And I sent you a clip of, of different movies yeah. and shows over the decades. You know, what are your thoughts looking at how uh, advertising is has been portrayed, you know, to the masses over the decades. I, I, um, I've seen the movies. No one has done it really successfully except for Mad Men because they had, I think, um, Bosom Buddies uh, with Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari. That was in an advertising agency and they didn't get that right either. Uh, the movies, uh, Mad Men got a lot of it right. What they got wrong was that didn't look like fun. And we had fun. I mean, there was the, the backstabbing and the, the rampant everything. Uh, did some of it exist? Yes, yeah, stereotypes do not become stereotypes by accident. But we, we worked hard and we enjoyed what we did. I, the first 10 years of my career, I describe as Camelot. It was just tell someone that how much fun this used to be. Tell someone how wonderful it was to do this. And, and the people you met were just were brilliant. And you think a lot of that creativity is, is gone now? Do you watch television? Mm -hmm. I, I, I truly think it has because, I mean, I look at the commercials I grew up with and I don't see that today. And I know things change and people change and, and attention spans change. And you got, you got so much more competition. You got a 10 second, boom, here's my product, boom. There's no, it wasn't like it used to be. So yeah, I think it has, I mean, 
If you look at what I've started going the first time I went to Cannes, and it was what was so wonderful about it is you could go into the theater and see beautiful, wonderful, intelligent, funny, creative from all over the world. And now if you go to Cannes, you see clients from all over the world and technology and 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 everybody is set you can't see the beach anymore because you have all of these people that have their you know their things set up just to sell themselves and it it just isn't as maybe it's the way it should be obviously because there's a lot of money being spent there and and clients need to have their you know their name and their, their themselves out there to say look we're cool we're part of this but um again i don't want to be one of those people that goes you know, back in the day when I started, that was really fun. It's just different. When I started getting the idea to do this podcast, I was trying to think, okay, what what commercials do I remember from growing up? And which ones do I remember? Because my dad used to love watching commercials, and he would have tapes from the 50s, 60s, 70s that I grew up watching those, even though it wasn't from my time. So I right. thought, okay, from the 60s, there was this 1968 Ford Mustang uh, spot it had a, uh, an awesome song it was targeting you know the middle-aged male the younger male even uh, housewives the female it was it, I just liked how they were take one concept one car and target it to all these different audiences and so I remember that one in the 70s it was the I remember the Tootsie Roll whatever I think I see becomes a Tootsie Roll to me uh, 80s was raise your hand you know if you're sure the big red juicy fruit gum commercials and then when I got to the 90s it was instant it was sears you know come see the softer side of sears which you know turns 30 years old this year in which you were you know instrumental you know in that hello sweetheart i need some flashlights right now face paints so bold stunning duplicates velvet blunders and body hugging copper molds you are the first place if you can walk me through the process from the time you all start trying to you know come up with ideas maybe ideas that never saw the light of day to the time where you're going to make the pitch to the day you get the call you know what was all that like um sears had had is my Sears had had 10 agencies in 10 years, something like that. And they kept taking their problems to each new agency and they kept doing the same thing each time. You know, what's the definition of, of crazy? You know, same action and expect a different reaction. So um, we were being briefed in this big conference room at YNR and I'm listening to what they're talking about and what they wanted to sell was women's clothing. Sears, women's clothing, you know, refrigerators, you know, yes, women's clothing, not so much. And I remember thinking, this is in the in the briefing. Um, I'm, I'm talking about this only because I was very uh, proud of this because I had to fight for it so hard for so long, having come up with the idea before the client even came in. I did a little sketch of um, a tractor with a hand coming up from the back of the tractor with a bra hanging from it. And it said, and I just wrote down, look what I found behind the tractor. And that night I thought, you know, what we're trying to do is get women, they're in the store already. They're just not there to, you know, they're there to buy 20 pounds of, uh, you know, de-icer or something. We just have to get them to go. So it's all the hardware, the hardware. And it's like, well, it's the hardware. We want them to see the software. 
It was that simple. And it took months to get it through my own people. It took months to get it through focus groups. Um, and part of the problem was um, the people that I was dealing with, not the creative people, they were all males of a certain age that had their own idea for how to sell to women. And uh, they were wrong. And they also had a certain idea that they didn't want just that little piece of Sears. They wanted all of it. They wanted the... So there were two, there were two different ways. One were the elements of style, and the other was the softer side of Sears. And YNR Corporate wanted the elements of style because they could see with that you could get everything, style in the kitchen, style, and, and there's an expression, willing to fall on your sword in order to get something through. In the past, I wouldn't fall on anything larger than a toothpick. It's like, I'm not worth it. I'm not going to, you know, kill myself over this. I was willing to fall on my sword for the softer side of Sears. Uh, we had a brilliant uh, creative person, freelance. I think her name was Sue Reed. I'm pretty sure it was Sue Reed. If I'm wrong, I'm, I apologize. But she was a, a wonderful, wonderful jingle person. Uh, Jake Holmes, I believe, was the guy who wrote that, the, the jingle. When I heard it, it was always, you know, we have, we have cables uh, for cars, cables for sweaters, you know, that, that kind of juxtaposition. She came in with that jingle, I heard it, and I went, this is it. This is it. Took the boombox, took it to the president of the agency, the president of the, the um, not just the New York agency, but also the president of Inc. Uh, took it to the new business person. I hit the button and I played it and I'm thinking they're going to see the same thing I do. They start looking at their phone. They start, there was a pause in the music. They started to get up and I went, ah, there's another chorus. And I turned it off eventually and looked at them and they said, mm, nah. So uh, I said, this, this account has been in how many agencies in 10 years? Every single agency in these 10 years has given them the same solution, the solution they want. This is the first time we're going to go against that and give them something different. So would you like to give them what everybody else will give them, or shall we go with this? And they took a while, and they all put their arms up like this and leaned back. And I call that the gorilla spray position. Now, I don't know what the gorilla does that for, uh, but uh, they, they, it is a, a known something that they do at a certain point, and I don't think it's about deciding whether or not to go with the jingle. But they finally went, that's it, we're going to go for it, as if they were doing the bravest thing in the world, uh, after, of course, they were told that they'd be safe, and they bought it. Now, I had the world's greatest producer, Laurie Kahn, who, who took us in, a great director, Great people, uh, particularly um, Tom Shortlich, we, we, was a, we did it with Chicago. And it was one of the best experiences I've ever had, one of the hardest and one of the best. I have never seen focus groups go so crazy over a piece of music. Um, it, it just, it was perfect for the target audience. It managed expectations. It did not say Sears has changed because they had a retrofit, a bunch of stores that if you walked in, the floor was sticky and there was nothing. <laughs> there was just nothing around. 
but you know the hardware and you know for a while it worked you know i was in high school when that came out and and i loved it from that moment i love the music i love the you know the play on words you're talking about hardware and she's messing with her earring this kind of hardware and uh, oh my god you remember frames <laughs> yeah i just it it and i i was interested in video editing and stuff so i love the the waving banner with the sears it was just it all encompassed it it's just something that i've remembered to this day and there's videos on youtube people post them they're commenting still today about how they loved it and yeah. i mean is it something you thought people would still be you know talking about 30 years later honestly no uh, i mean during it i real you have to understand well you don't have to understand anything but i'm just going to tell you that my background was as an advertising boutique snob we don't do jingles we, you know, do funny, intelligent, you know, amazing, wonderful, intricate, you know, pieces of art. I knew this jingle was right. I knew that it wasn't just a jingle. It, it was it. <laughs> it was the smart thing to do to get attention for the right reasons. And you couldn't help but sing it. And it, it's just one of those things that stuck in your head. And I was very, very, very proud of it. And never thought I would ever be the first one to take one of those banners that was flowing at the end and say, you know, this is something I'm willing to, you know, to take out into the world. It, it was a, it was a fun campaign. Yeah. And what was the production process like filming those? Well, um, we shot a lot of them. Um, it was grueling, you know, a lot of different sets and a lot of, you know, having to match the costumes to the mood to, to what they were matching them up with. But uh, again, it was a labor of love. And uh, it turned out the director, who did a very good job, uh, was very sick during the, the shoot. We did not know that. And, but he just, he just persevered. And um, as with any shoot, you know, you're up very early, you shoot very late. Everybody thinks it's a glamorous thing. And uh, it is, and it isn't. Yes, you stay at great hotels, but you never see anything around. Yes, you sometimes stay in the best places in in the world for three hours until you have to go out on the shoot. What are you What are you doing in your life? You know, today I'm doing I'm doing some of the career coaching. Um, I'm also doing how to be a creative director, not how to how to how to get better skills that you come in with. We assume if you get to the the position of creative director. Um, you have skills, but how about the softer side? I'm <laughs> going back to how about the softer side, the softer skills. Um, the other thing that's changed is how we do business. And in the in the old days, if you were looking at work, the creative directors looking at work, it was pretty harsh. It, uh, you know, it, some agencies like BBDO was like a really tough agency. You have to thick skin and it depended on who your creative director was. What are you bringing me? This is crap. Get the hell out of here and come back when you have something better. There are many reasons why you can't do that anymore. Litigation is only one of them. It's the fact that now people are working virtually. It's the fact that um, there are just so many different ways and places now. Um, the other thing, I'm not being clear on this, we're, it's it's a kinder, gentler, nicer. We ha we have to be. We can't. You know, it started. It didn't just start with me too. It started with 
the next pendulum, I guess. You know, it's it's harsh, and then it goes all the way to you know going out of our way to be decent. I don't want to lose a sense of humor. To tell you the truth, in the old days, when we weren't so careful about what we said, if you said if you could say something funny, if you could be funny, you didn't really care who you insulted. It was that it was that laugh, and it was about being the the brightest one in a group and who could make we sit in offices and just make each other laugh and there were no boundaries and then when you find out you've hurt someone you've insulted someone you said something inadvertently that you know just cut somebody to the quick we're a little bit nicer now partly because we should be uh, what do you tell your students you know whether they ask you or maybe you just tell them you know in class a, a piece of advice going into this business? I tell them two things. The first, start saving your money now. I don't care, $5 a month, start saving now because you're on your own. The second piece of advice is the only person in charge of your career is you. You could be the most beloved person at an agency, your account goes out the door, and they will be in tears as they walk you out carrying your box. It's, a, it's sad, but it's an economic reality. So yes, there's, you know, there's some loyalty and there should be loyalty to the place you're working, but we're in a business and the loyalty you should have should be you, your career, your family, and, and your future. Do you see now, in working with students, uh, a more diverse, you know, a group of people wanting to get into advertising? And are you telling them? More, more but not enough. Okay. Yeah. So I, I try to do it with the speakers I have because there are many successful, brilliant people out there who are not, you know, part of um, what used to be known as uh, the, the, the majority. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, you know, you try to do it by example. And to people coming up, I would just say, there are so many more opportunities. Not opportunities that I might be able to come in now at this point in my life, because that was my day. And whenever I see somebody young and entering, I don't get like, it's not about jealousy because I had such a great career. So I just look at people at this point coming in and I go, you know what, it's your turn. Are there students that you've worked with that, that have gone on to do these huge, you know, projects and campaigns? I, the answer is yes. And, and also not just huge campaigns, but sometimes I just get a note that says, thank you for saying what you said that day. It changed my life. And I'm like, what did I say and when? And that's what I mean about being kind. You never know what word is going to come out of your mouth that will affect somebody. You never know that just by calling someone and saying, I saw your book and that was really good, that somebody stays in the business a little longer. So when you're in that position, and, and it's not just me, so many, we affect all the others that work for us and with us. I taught at Visual Arts. Uh, I taught at Miami Ad School. Uh, you never know. And hopefully, I had a, a good influence and, and, and helped one or two people you know, move, move up. Yeah. Here's, if I had a pillow, and if I were to embroider something on it, it would be this. The worst pain in the world is kicking yourself. Don't do it. There'll be plenty of other people willing to take aim at your rear end. You don't have to do it yourself. Definitely, definitely. 
thank you so much, Elaine, for taking the time to talk with me. It was it was wonderful, you know, hearing about your your career and and Sears, something I, that campaign I've admired for a long time, and it was nice to talk to you know someone that was directly uh, responsible for that. It's so nice to hear that after all these years, there's someone who remembers it and also remembers it fondly. Yes. Definitely. So thank you very much. This was this was um, a pleasure.